Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Part-time lover. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. And the word of the day is part-time lover. The song by Stevie Wonder. It's a great song. We're a little late today because Coke and I have been doing business. And we like to record in the morning, but we found an alternate way to make money. So that's why we were late. It turns out that People want to buy our farts for $1,000 a jar. So Coke and I spent all morning just making, taking the Miracle Whip out of the jar and then farting into the jar and then going to FedEx and selling it and sending it to all the people who bought it. My tummy hurts a little bit, but I'm going to do a Gaviscon and I couldn't smell it because my smell really is not back at all, maybe 5%. And it's almost January 20th, by the way, Coca. That'll be a year since I had COVID. So I have 15 days left to get this right. But luckily with this business, I'm happy I don't smell. So sorry about that. But uh, we're taking over in that space that has been vacated by that reality star. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let's move on to the next topic. Part-time lover, Kyrie Irving's back. Kyrie Irving will play in his first NBA game of the season tonight in Indiana against the Pacers. Kyrie Irving has not been hurt. The season's halfway done, but he wasn't hurt. Remember, he was not vaccinated. And New York does not allow anybody into a game if you're not vaccinated. I think they're going to change that to and boosted soon. And the Nets had suspended him, and then they reinstated him, and then he was in COVID protocols, yada, yada, yada. He's ready to play. I am president of the Nets. Do I welcome him back with open arms? Am I so excited that he's back and so thankful? Oh, Kyrie, I'm going to fly to Indiana to watch because I'm so thankful that you decided to play and that we're going to let you play because our team is only okay and we want better. We want a championship with KD and JH before we have to go ahead and trade for RW. So there was an entire PR campaign done by the owners of the Nets yesterday to make Kyrie out to be a great man. I've never met Kyrie Irving. I appreciate his charitable ways. I appreciate that he wants to have a conversation. I appreciate that he believes there are serious problems that require serious people to handle in a very timely manner. I get it. I also understand that there's a difference between having a job, doing your job, and having a moral compass and following that moral compass and what you do when you're not working. Professional athletes work the same you do. 
the game is only two to three hours a night, but they're preparing their bodies, they're resting, they're sleeping, they're eating. All of that counts as work. I count for my work preparing for the show. That's not the actual show, but that's still work. Coca counts, well, getting tattoos, that's part of his work. My body's a canvas. But the owners are two individuals who are worth discussing who you may not know, the owners of the Brooklyn Nets. It's not Beyonce and Jay-Z. It's a husband and wife named Joe and Clara Sai. Now, Joe Sai is the founder of Alibaba. Joe Sai is a multi-billionaire, extremely charitable. He is Asian, and he spends a lot of time and money trying to stop Asian hate, trying to produce any sort of racial equality, gender equality, trying to do what's right in a time when all owners and leagues have said they're going to do things and players wanted those owners to be accountable. Very few have been accountable, but the size have been very, very proactive, not just with money while they did do at least 50 million to start an alliance that's doing all sorts of good work. I found out reading this article yesterday that Joe Sai is a runner. He was running during the height of COVID and he came upon a truck that had passed him and then stopped. And he was worried that there could be, no one knew who he was. He was didn't have security with him. Everyone in shorts and a t-shirt. Some people are owners, some people are not. And he was worried for his safety. He ended up turning around and going home and running home and then decided to start this charity. What was interesting about the comments made by the owners yesterday upon Kyrie Irving's return is that they were sympathetic toward him. They were complimentary of him for his engagement. Not one mention of the selfish nature of his behavior by not being vaccinated, Ray COVID and Ray his teammates. Not one mention of the fact that he was suspended and then reinstated by the club. Not one mention of the fact that he's taken a roster spot and only able to play half the games. And it got me thinking that the charitable work that the size are doing is being used as a cover. And that bothered me. It's doing great things, and I'm very complimentary of it. But in order to have credibility as an owner in that locker room, or a president or a GM, everybody's watching everything you say and everything you do. There were many times in the Marlins clubhouse where players would notice if I came into the clubhouse and I would go to the same player first each time. They would take note of what order you would say hello to the players, where you started in the clubhouse, what direction you moved in. The players are paying attention to everything. And the psyche of a team is not just based on wins and losses. It's based on not just chemistry, but also the overall feeling that the team has as a team that is inclusive of the front office and ownership. And I kept wondering what the other Nets players were thinking. Are they just thankful? Hey, we're glad he's back. We need him. We want to win. 
Were they saying, man, we were doing just fine without them. We're at the top of the Eastern Conference, somewhere near the top. Where are they, Coca? They got to be toward the top of the Eastern Conference. Or are they saying, I can't imagine why. Where are they, Coca? I literally cannot hear you. They're second in the East. Thank you. Welcome back, Coca. Here is what I would propose that Joe Sy does as owner of the Nets with Kyrie back. I would propose that he and Kyrie together, and if Clara wants to join, Clara is his wife. Clara is taking a much more active role in league matters and WNBA matters. They own WNBA team as well. She is involved in a ton of the charitable things that Kyrie's involved in. Apparently, she and Kyrie have a texting relationship. Totally above board, totally normal, totally fine. It was never an issue for owners' wives to be friendly with players or to talk to players. But I propose that before he plays a game, he's got to not just apologize to his team, but apologize to the fans not for not getting vaccinated, which to me deserves an apology because I want every player and every person to get vaccinated. The apology is for the distraction. And we talked about Antonio Brown this week. We talked about what it is when a great player is a distraction versus a bad player. When a bad player is a distraction, they're gone quickly. When a great player is a distraction, they get plenty of moments to be the distraction and then to be the distraction and then to be the distraction until finally something happens. Something acute, like taking off your shoulder pads and running off the field without a shirt. That's one. Kyrie never got to that point. He's never gotten to that edge, but he's made a career out of tiptoeing on that line. But if I am the Nets ownership, I stop that now. Because the Nets have not been successful with their big three. They haven't been successful with their big two. Success is judged by jewelry, and they haven't gotten it done. They have not even been to the finals. So we're going to watch the Pacers and the Nets tonight. We're going to watch Kyrie. And then the Nets play their next game. Check it, Coca. What's their next game after tonight? Where do you think their next game is? Where do they go from Indiana? Are they on a long road trip? Will they eventually make it back to Brooklyn? And then what? They win three in a row on the road and then go home and they're out of player, not because of load management. So they're going to play Indiana, play two more games at home right after that. So he's coming back to play tonight and then disappears. How does that not become part of this conversation? I'm just curious. Instead of the PR release of all the great work the size have done and Clara and Joe and Kyrie, I found it to be extraordinarily frustrating. Part-time lover, that's what you are, Kyrie. And do you know what happens to part-time lovers? They don't stay in purgatory forever. You're either full-time or no time. And the Nets are going to discover relatively quickly that having a part-time lover, it's exhausting and not fruitful and rings don't multiply. But Kyrie Irving, Pacers, Pacers back-to-back. They lost to the Knicks. Nets are giving eight in Indiana. Guess what? We're taking them. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are taking the Nets by eight over the Pacers. We're 2-0 and in this short year, in this young year. 
I hope that you paid attention to what the Grizzlies did. I hope you paid attention. I need backup here on Twitter at David P. Sampson, please. We did the poll yesterday where Coca now owes me a dollar, where 70% of you thought that what Tom Brady is doing at 44 is far more difficult and noteworthy than what LeBron's doing at 37. By the way, celebrating beating the Kings at home the way LeBron did made me laugh. Beating the Kings at home should not be cause for celebration. It should be cause to get home, eat a meal, and go to bed. So the question is, John Morant, is he not a top five player in the NBA? Coca says no. We may do a poll on that. But the Grizzlies were getting three from the Cavs. They won the damn game. Because of John Morant, we're 2-0. So I want to segue to something we touched on on a wait to see to start the season. And I've had a chance to think more about it. And one of the great things about Nothing Personal is when Coke and I get a chance to think more about it, we get a chance to dive into a subject for a second time. I spent some time thinking about Joe Judge and the New York Giants, not just because they were the love of my football life, but because... The Mara family, and I don't mean Joaquin Phoenix's girlfriend, Rooney. I'm talking about the owners of the Giants. They've got a real question that they need to ask themselves. And the question is, when you're an owner and you are faced with a decision on your coach or manager, and when you are faced with unbelievable public scrutiny, and you are faced with continuous losing, how much... Do the fans factor into your decision-making? And I've been very clear that for me, the fans never entered into my decision-making calculus. And that sounds harsh, but back in my 18 years, that's how I was. I was definitely rough around the edges. I was much more harsh than I am today, having gained perspective. But the reason I didn't want fan involvement is I thought that that would lead to emotion And when you're emotional, you tend to make bad decisions. Remember my 30-minute rule? You should have it in your whole life. 30 minutes after a win or loss, no decisions are made about your roster. You should do that whenever you have something happen to you at work. Take 30 minutes before sending your email. Put your email in drafts. Put your text in drafts. Send your email or text to a safe person. Everyone should have a safe person when there's something you have to say that you want to say to your boss or to someone in your company. You send it to the safe person. You let it rest and let it breathe for a beat, and then you send it, if approved by the safe person. And when you own a team and you're thinking about making a coaching change, you have to think about what you've told your fans And the Mars said, we're keeping Joe Judge. We're keeping Daniel Jones. Then Joe Judge changes the time continuum with that 11-minute rant after the game last week where he comes off looking crazy. He makes Adam Gaze look like a normal guy, just delusional and silly. But that said, do you allow that 11-minute tantrum to change your evaluation of Joe Judge? Do you let the fans who are calling for a coaching change, do you let that be the judge? What about your new GM? Do you let the new GM come in and make the change and say, hey, 
we are giving over football operations to this person, and this person will decide the fate of the coach. That would be normal. Would a GM take a job with the Giants without say over who the coach is? Yes. There's only 32 GM jobs. <laughs> it's funny. Hold on. What's funny is that Coca said during the pregame prep, he said, don't you think that a GM would ask in an interview whether or not he or she or they would have say in the coach? And I said, yeah, they'd ask, but it doesn't matter what they'd be told. And he hypothesized that if a real GM candidate is not given the power to hire or fire a coach, why would that person take the job? Or would that person take the job? And the answer is an unequivocal, every time, yes. Every time. Don't give me Theo. Don't give me examples that you think that GMs had power struggles and then left. Every time a GM has an opportunity to be a GM, they become a GM. All these people who say, oh, I removed my name from consideration for that position. Horse hockey. I never had one person remove a name from consideration in 18 years. You know when they removed their name from consideration? When they were no longer being considered. That's when you remove your name from consideration. Or when you use your name being considered to get another contract, another extension, or more money from the place where you're currently employed. And then you remove your name from consideration because you're locked up in a new place. So the GM, the new GM of the Giants, once Gilman gets axed, which he will, or they're going to say he wasn't axed, his contract was not renewed. Folks, that's the same as being axed. Just FYI. So the GM of the Giants comes in. Joe Judge is the coach. And the Giants don't win next year. What happens? Joe Judge gets fired, but the GM doesn't. The GM has a shield. I think a new GM for the Giants is going to want Joe Judge as coach because then there's no pressure when you've got two of the top 10 picks. There's no pressure to perform at all because you know if you perform, it's because you, the new GM, came in and got it done. If you don't perform, it's, hey, we had this holdover coach and man, does he stink. We're hiring my guy. We're starting over. Either way, you have extended your shelf life as a non-judged GM, pun intended, by keeping judge. But from an owner's standpoint, do you want to give a new GM that type of runway? Or do you listen to your fans and say, we've lost long enough? It's like people who are Red Sox fans who are frustrated with the Red Sox when they traded Mookie Betts, and I told you that that is absurd. Absurd, as Charles Emerson Winchester would say. It's absurd. That's the worst Boston accent ever. Absurd. Absurd. I can't even say it. How, how, what is it? A Boston. Pad. I think of Ben Affleck when I do a Boston accent. I don't know why. What were we talking about? God dang it. I said this wouldn't happen in 22 until February, and it happened in January. Why were we doing a Boston accent? What does that have to do with the price of tea anywhere in the world? I don't know. Forget it. I think I'm just going to move on then. I'll show you guys. I'll show you Coca for not paying attention and telling me where I was or letting me fly. What am, what am I doing? It's not flying. I'm hanging in the wind like a white sheet on the top of a flagpole in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane. I'm going on to the next topic, Coca. Just deal with it. 
I'm following up on the Washington football team because I want to see if we can do. Oh, no, that wasn't it. (laughs) Wait, yes, it was. The Mars are going to keep Joe Judge. Thank you. (laughs) Hold on. We have a commitment to you that we're going to have Washington football team news maybe every day this year because it's so good. Yesterday, it was breaking during the show that they're announcing their new name on February 2nd, so we talked about that. And then there was a rumor that it's the Washington Admirals because of some domain name for the Washington football team is connected to the Washington Admirals. Who cares? They only told you that they're going to get a new name in February yesterday because they were under so much pressure because of what happened with their railing collapse at FedEx Field. And... They're not unhappy about that because they're trying to get a new stadium there. Can you imagine Daniel and Tanya Snyder right now talking to themselves in bed before they turn out the lights and pass out with a string of pillows between them facing north and south? You know, is this the, be- is this the right time to ask the public for money for a new stadium for the Washington as yet unnamed erstwhile football team, no longer Redskins? What do you think the appetite is for public financing after that Marlins deal of 10 years ago? Is there still, can we get a deal done? You know, FedEx Field is in disrepair. We've had wastewater. Now we've got railings collapsing. It's a total calamity. Do you think they have that conversation? (laughs) No, they definitely do not. The railing that collapsed was not part of the stadium, folks. It was one of those things that stops people from going forward. We may talk about it tomorrow. It was what was used like a barricade to stop people from getting into the Capitol. It can fall. But don't worry. They fixed it. They brought in their head of stadium operations. They called the NFL. They hired engineers. They did a quick structural engineering report in Washington. And you know how quickly things get done in Washington. And the report came back in quadruplicate and they put garbage ties around the railing to the post to make sure it doesn't happen again. Problem solved, game over, we can move on. Knock, knock. Who's there? Um, Tanya, can we get Dan on the phone? Uh, No, Dan's not involved in the day-to-day operations. Tanya, get Dan on the phone. Yeah, sorry, okay. Uh, Dan, uh, for whatever reason, Jason's here, the team president, And he wants to talk to both of us. I know he's not supposed to because there's a wall and you're supposed to be running the charitable part and I'm supposed to be running the team. But we got a situation here. All right, what happened? Before I say what happened, Dan, I just need to read you something. To whom it may concern, I am writing to inquire about what follow-up action is being considered in response to the near tragic incident that took place at FedEx Field on January 2nd, 2022. Um, who's this letter from? Dan, keep it down. Uh, Jason, who's this letter from? Uh, Tanya, it's from Jalen Hurts. What? Are you telling me that the quarterback for the Eagles sent us a letter about what happened at the end of our game last night? He sent us a letter. No, no, it's okay, Tanya. It said to whom it may concern, colon, but it was then forwarded to us. Well, who else got this? Uh, pretty much everyone It's on Twitter. The NFL got something. They're going to have to have a statement. So they're on hold. I've got Roger on hold because we need to discuss what we're going to do about this. Nothing. It's Jalen Hurts. 
I couldn't give a flying rat's pituitary gland what Jalen Hurts has to say. Ooh, you may want to listen to this sentence in the letter. Okay, what sentence? Although I was able to prevent the barrier from crashing onto me, Dave Matthews, sick, S-I-C, that was not the same for others who could be suffering from lingering injuries. Roger, I'll call you back. Jalen Hurts sent a letter to the Snyders and to Goodell that talks about the possibility of lingering injuries from the rail collapse. Wow. Jalen. Awesome. I hope you're all clear that when you think I'm cynical, and I got a little bit of that on Twitter when I tweeted this, Jalen Hurts did not write this letter. And that is not an indictment of his intelligence, of his color, of his age, of his size, of his weight. It is a comment on his profession. He's not a lawyer. This letter was written by a lawyer. When you talk about the possibility of lingering injuries, that is how lawyers talk when they're looking for dinero. They're looking for it from the NFL. They're looking for it from the WFT. They're looking for it from any pocket that is as deep as the deep water horizon. What would make Jalen Hurts and his lawyers write this letter? Are we going to come to find that the lawyer who wrote the letter is also going to represent the people who fell off the railing, who then were not offered medical help, which WFT said in their initial statement that we're very glad that no one got hurt and we offered everyone medical attention. But now it's a, he said, they said that they weren't offered medical attention. They were told to just get back into the stands, allow the players free passage through the tunnels. Then the people came out with neck pains and back pains and side pains and heartaches. And then Jalen Hurts writes a letter. What was he thinking? Hmm. Being a good person? Here's what you do in that circumstance when it's not being driven by lawyers, when it's not being driven by greed is you go to your team GM, your coach, or your team president, and you say, you know what happened just now? I didn't feel safe. It's not I didn't feel safe because the railing fell. I don't want fans that close. I stayed calm. I took some selfies but I don't want to feel that I need to protect myself. There needs to be better security around the tunnels. Is there any way that you, coach, GM, president, owner, would call the coach, GM, president, owner of the WF Skins and just mention that going forward, since we're there every year, we would like that tunnel to be better protected. And by the way, Every road game we play in, can we just do a quick safety check? And let's do it the same at the link. Is there stadiums to call the link? Wherever the Eagles play. Can we still do the same thing for our eight home games to make sure that I'm comfortable 
with our level of security and safety. That is how players respond to situations. That's how you actually get things done. You don't send a public letter to whom it may concern. Your desire to effectuate change doesn't come from whom it may concern. Your desire for safety, security, improvements do not come from a person named to whom it may be concerned. It comes from the people who actually are concerned with the power to make your workplace better and safer. So to start with, the entire to whom it may concern letter is questionable at best. The motives are clear and it's not about safety or security. This ended with an NFL comment. We appreciate Jalen's concerns and have been reviewing the incidents with the Washington football team, said the NFL VP of communications, Brian McCarthy. Get me that. Wait to see, Brian, because you know a letter's going out from Roger to every team about safety of the tunnels. And you know very well that you are calling up Dan and Tanya to remind them of the indemnity that the NFL has and how the NFL will have zero liability with any of these lawsuits from the quote-unquote lingering issues. Wipe that. 469. From any of the lingering injuries. Thank you, Coca. Okay. Oh, when we come back, we're going to review a series that I watched. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a scenario that I can't believe is happening in the NFL and a change that I would like to see the NFL make. And believe me, the NFL is going to think long and hard about making this change. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson here with our esteemed producer, Matthew Coca. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and following. Please tell your friends about Nothing Personal. Spread the word. We love what we do, and we appreciate you being a part of it every day. Watching movies, TV shows, miniseries. As we prepare for the one-year anniversary of January 6th and storming of the Capitol, I'm giving everybody a forewarning. Please download the show tomorrow. Sorry, Coca, but I'm putting it out there right now. Even before our post-game recap and our pre-game preparation, there will be a conversation tomorrow 
about what happened last January 6th as we look at a year that has passed. A year. 365 opportunities. 525,600 minutes have passed. And what have we done? We will light the candle tomorrow. But in the meantime... I watched another Jeff Daniels special. I watched American Rust during the break, and I haven't reviewed it yet, but I watched that first season of American Rust. Jeff Daniels, the guy from Dumb and Dumber, the unbelievably brilliant comedian, not a stand-up guy, but a comic actor, the guy from Speed, the guy who plays the lead in To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. You want to talk about range. This is no at-close-range type of stuff. Sean Penn. This is unbelievable acting range. Jeff Daniels plays a character who's a real person, the former FBI director named James Comey. Do you know anything about James Comey, the six foot eight man? James Comey was the FBI director who was brought on by Barack Obama. There is a clear separation between the FBI and the executive branch. Very clear. That separation was clouded by Donald Trump when he was president. It led to the firing of James Comey. James Comey then wrote a book. You may know him as famous because he was investigating Hillary Clinton's emails during the election in 2016. You may know James Comey as the person who came out right before the election to say, we are not pursuing charges against Hillary Rodham Clinton. However, there could be a basis, but we're not going forward. There are people who think that James Comey handed the election to Donald Trump. I am not one of them. You, the voters, handed the election to Donald Trump. Investigators don't do it. The FBI doesn't do it. Lots of questions and issues about Russia's involvement. Well, you still have to vote. So this mini-series, it's a four-part series starring Jeff Daniels, goes into excruciating detail in a very intellectually stimulating way about what it is to be the FBI director, what it is to be under Obama, then under Trump. Brendan Gleeson from In Bruges, the father of Dom Gleeson from About Time and several other great movies, plays Donald Trump. There's an appearance by Jared Kushner's in a scene, Donald Trump Jr.'s in a scene. It is definitely, definitely slanted toward the left. But I like watching these shows. I can watch a Michael Moore documentary and know the perspective. We talked about it a couple days ago. If you know what you're watching, it gives you a chance to learn, but to watch it through an intellectual eye. To know that this miniseries is based on a book by James Comey and that James Comey is going to be anti-Trump because Trump fired him. And then you can watch the series and know that they're saying a lot of things or doing a lot of things that could be considered inflammatory, but yet the underlying issue of the Comey rule is the involvement of the executive branch with the FBI and the danger that that presents. The danger that someone who does not have experience governing when they are in charge of a government. I was fascinated by the series and enthralled with the performance by Jeff Daniels. I'm not putting him in the top 25 of this generation. I'm not ready to do that. He's not John Morant. But don't sleep on the talent of Jeff Daniels, please. He's that good. Okay. Can we uh, do the, uh, so you want to talk to Samson, please, Coca? 
You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into Twitter at David P. Samson. Ask questions. Rate and review on Apple and follow on Spotify and all those things. And some of them will make the show. This was a good one. Hi, David. I love that you all start with that because I it makes it personal, right? Get it? Hello. Would you have your team ever play for a tie? That's a very short, succinct, perfect question. Now, of course, you're thinking, there's so many of you listening to this who may have no idea what that question's about, and I love that. You don't have to like football to like this show. You don't have to like sports to like this show. There's a scenario in the NFL. It is the final week of the regular season this Sunday, week 18. The playoffs start a week from Saturday, I guess, with wildcard games. And there's a scenario where at 8.20 p.m., the last game of the regular season of the NFL between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, there's a scenario where if that game ends in a tie, both teams make the playoffs. And if that game ends up with a result, the loser does not make the playoffs. Now, there's a ton of scenarios. It involves the Colts. If the Colts beat the Jaguars, we can sort of change our tune on this. But it involves the Jaguars beating the Colts, the Steelers beating the Ravens, yada, yada, blah, blah, yada. It doesn't matter. The question I have for the NFL is this. How? When you're negotiating your broadcast deals, how do you not take into account the competitive integrity of your game and have every game in week 18 start at the same time no matter where the game is being played? The reason is you want the 1 o'clock window, you want the 4 o'clock window, and you want the 8 o'clock window because you have separate deals with Fox, with CBS, with NBC. EPL's got great deals, broadcast deals. They start games at the same time. Major League Baseball has great broadcast deals. They start the final game of the regular season at the same time, and it's a change that I was there for and I loved, and here's why. When you run a Major League Baseball team and you are vying for a playoff spot up until the last day, and you are vying with a team that plays at 1 o'clock and you play at 4 o'clock, guess who has the advantage? the team playing at four o'clock because the team at one o'clock has to assume the team at four o'clock is going to win. Therefore, the team at one o'clock has to pitch its best starter available and have that pitcher not available for the wild card game the following day. And if that one o'clock game is lost by that number one pitcher, then the four o'clock game can start Coca because no matter what, they're in the playoffs. MLB recognized how absolutely unfair it was that West Coast teams had that advantage on the final day of the season because West Coast games start later than East Coast games. Hello, that's just the curvature of the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. Oh my. So it was changed with permission from broadcasters that every game will be played, I can't remember, with 3.05, let's say. So that's noon on the West Coast, 3 o'clock on the East Coast. Therefore, every team has to play to win because the games are going on at the same time. Why does the NFL not do it? You can negotiate with your broadcast partners that that specific week, everyone plays at once, and that's just how it goes. Because why would you even give the Chargers and Raiders an opportunity to be complicit in ruining the integrity of the game by playing for the tie? 
Raise your hand if you've been the president of a team for 18 years. My hand's up. If someone said to me that all I had to do was tie a game and I guaranteed my spot in the playoffs and the risk is that losing the game has me out and the reward of winning the game does nothing different than tying the game. Hear me now and listen to me later. If I have a chance for a better seed or I want to choose my playoff opponent, if there's any difference between winning and tying, I prefer the winning. If I prefer that scenario, I'm going for the win. But if I've got a better scenario by losing than winning, I'm going for the loss. If I have a better scenario by tying than winning, I'm going for the tie. Why am I doing that? Not because I'm trying to put a finger in the face of the NFL shield or trying to impugn the integrity of the product. No, it's because I'm selfish and I want to win a ring. And I know the inherent risk and that every time a pitcher pitches, he has a chance to get hurt. Every time a quarterback takes a snap, he has a chance to roll his ankle, get hurt. Every time a pass is thrown, my defensive back has a chance to get hurt, be concussed. Why would I ever subject my players to an extra game, to injuries, when I don't have to? Green Bay Packers are the number one seed on Sunday. They clinched it. Their game on Sunday means absolutely nothing. They can't get better than the number one seed. There's no home court in the Super Bowl. And if they win and win and win, they never leave Green Bay. Do you think that LaFleur so badly wants to get his 40th career win that he's going to play Aaron Rodgers? It's a preseason game. If he plays a set of downs, I'll be surprised. One set. Why would you ever risk it? To get Aaron Rodgers the MVP, to get him more passing yards, more TDs. Pat is already Hall of Fame stats. No chance, toilet pants. I'm not doing it. People may think I'm crazy. Playing for the tie? How dare you? talking to the other team and being complicit in playing for the tie? Who would ever do that? Would you be shocked to know that people from opposing teams talk before games? Presidents, GMs, coaches, players? Would you be shocked to know that players know their exact playoff scenario before the last game of a season? As do coaches, GMs, presidents, and owners. Would any of it shock you that our job is to do whatever we can to get to the playoffs and then once in the playoffs to make it through to get the ring? If I have a chance that if I lose, I'm out and I can guarantee that I'm in with a tie, hmm, am I making that call? You're goddamn right I am, just like everyone else is. No matter what they tell you, conversations are happening. The NFL has to make the change. You can't have an 8-20 game of this importance flexed in. Was it a flex game? Or those Sunday night games are, are planned way in advance. I forgot the flex rules. I know that CBS and Fox and NBC, there's some level of flexing. I'm not sure what it is, Coca. I'm not sure why this has been on the schedule the whole time. But there's so many different playoff scenarios. The NFL will have to change that rule. 
Sit down with your broadcast partners. Make the change. It's for the better. Got it, Roger? Thank you. All right, I want to finish the show by telling you about a deal that happened yesterday that got not enough attention, but it should have. If you're buying anything that's a playing card with an MLB player on it, it's a tops card. We talked about the deal where Fanatics took over from Tops to be the licensed provider of playing cards for digital, non-digital assets for Major League Baseball. It was a big deal. There was all that rhetoric that was spoken after the deal was announced where the Tops people were angry, saying that we never had a chance. We never thought that they were going to leave us. We never had a chance to match what Fanatics did, and now we're done. We're screwed. And then I said to you that the reality is that Tops has their deal till 2026. All Fanatics did was buy the right and negotiate the right with MLB to take over for Tops when they're done. But Fanatics said yesterday, you know what? I'm an impatient guy. I don't know what the world is going to be like in 2026. I want to start now. Knock, knock. Hi, Tops. It's Fanatics. We'd like to give you $500 million. We want to buy your company because you are carbon dating to worthless. When you no longer have MLB, your valuation will be a fraction of what it is now. Now you can tell me about F1 and all the other cards that you have. Great. Thrilled. Happy for you. MLB drives your business. We want to buy you now. We will promise all 350 of your employees will have jobs. Happy to do that. But guess what we get to do as fanatics, as part of what we are doing as a company? We get to start doing the cards right now. Because we don't have to wait till 2026. If we buy the contract, which is what they're buying, that you already have with MLB that lasts until 2026, and we now own you, we own the contract, we get to start making the cards, we get to start doing integration. So here's what didn't get enough attention. The Fanatics CEO came out and said, hey, we are, I promise you, we are keeping all 350 employees. There is going to be no need for any cutting down. They do their job, we do ours, and we're going to work together for the betterment of society. Mark my microphone. When one company buys another, they don't buy it to swallow it whole. They buy it to chew off exactly what will make them the most money, and they spit out the fat. So harsh, David, calling people fat. I'm not body shaming anyone. But those 350 employees of Tops who are guaranteed employment going forward, do you have that in writing? Do you have a guaranteed deal with severance? Are you sure? And did the owners of Tops take that into account when selling for $500 million? No. No, and no. Fanatics buying tops was about one thing only. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.